0: Well, good morning again. This is hour two of Mornings with Carmen. The war that began on October the 7th when Hamas terrorists crossed the border into the state of Israel uh, and butchered 1,400 men, women, and children in unspeakable acts and then took 240 additional people hostage into the Gaza Strip. That war has reached an important moment. Um, Israeli forces raided the Al-Shifa Hospital in Gaza City, um, the hospital was being used as um, or by Hamas as a cover and a shield for its terrorist operations. Uh, the Israelis brought medical teams and supplies with them. They have now uh, withdrawn from the hospital as they uh, as the IDF proceeds to eliminate um, Hamas terrorists from Gaza. The goal being to um, make it so there would not be the possibility of Hamas terrorists ever attacking Israel in the same way that they did on October the 7th. So that's the that's the first sort of military operational goal. There's obviously also the goal of um, finding and securing the release of um, the hostages. That's an ongoing conversation you'll hear about in the news as well. Um. And then there is the humanitarian crisis unfolding because obviously there are people in the hospital, patients, doctors, medical personnel, Gazans who sought refuge in the hospital complex, which is some 11 acres uh, in the middle of Gaza City as the war required them to evacuate from their homes throughout the city. So it's um, it's complex. We have been talking now for a month about the reality that war is hell um, and we should be prepared for. Um, all kinds of things to to take place, all of which are, regretta- are regrettable, um, but all of which are also the responsibility of the Hamas terrorists. And now the use of uh, civilian the civilian population in Gaza as a shield. So here in the United States, the the war in the in in the Holy Land has revealed serious and deep divisions. You are very very aware and familiar with the rise in anti-Semitic speech on social media platforms, the rise in anti-Semitic uh, speech and and action, um, hate and violence against students on college campuses, um, and worse. There are protests, there are counter-protests. In North Andover, uh, the, the town of North Andover officially raised the Palestinian flag on the town common after a very passionate debate um, that came after uh North Andover had raised the Israeli flag. And so I do think that when we talk about flags and the flags we fly and uh, the American flag flying um you know over your town and then what flags you fly under the American flag in the town common the the conversation in North Andover Massachusetts is actually a really really interesting one for us to consider in terms of ongoing conversations about all the flags that people would have us be flying alongside um, or under the Israeli flag. Just to bring you up to date, um, over the weekend, hundreds of thousands gathered in D.C. to demonstrate support for Israel and the Jewish people. Last night, the U.S. Senate actually failed to pass an aid package that had um, been sent over from the House. Um, Now, to be fair, the Senate had said in advance that this was not a, a proposal that they wanted to take up because they did not want to see it defeated. Um, but a group of um, conservative members of the Senate um, brought the item of business to the floor. And because it did not include funding for Ukraine and because it was offset by a reduction to the budget for the IRS, the Senate um, did not pass this aid package. But I do not think we should imagine that that means that the United States does not substantively support Israel um, in this ongoing war. There is a new Reuters-Ipsos poll that shows that um, U.S. public support for the war is eroding. Um, A majority of Americans think that a ceasefire is in order as the humanitarian crisis in Gaza has ballooned. So um, where are you on that? Should the U.S. be a neutral mediator? That's what nearly forty percent of Americans believe. Thirty-two percent said the U.S. should support Israel. Four percent said the U.S. should support the Palestinians, and uh, fifteen to the exclusion of Israel. And fifteen percent said the U.S. should not be involved at all. Where are you in terms of um, what is unfolding in the Middle East? Love to hear from you from time to time on this. How are you praying? For whom? Um, um, for whom are you concerned? I am praying for the hostages and their families. I am praying for the grieving on all sides, Um, the thousands of families on both sides of this who have now lost loved ones. I am praying for justice. I am praying for the peace of Jerusalem. I am praying for God to use what others meant for evil for his good purposes. Um, I think we must remind ourselves this did not begin on October the 7th, 2023, and it is not going to end anytime soon. This is a long conflict with deeply religious and historic roots, and we should brace ourselves um, for, this to be, um, for this to take a long time uh, to, to be resolved. So reconciliation is obviously what uh, we desire in our hearts. We recognize that those who are reconciled to God in Christ Jesus are then reconciled to themselves and to one another. And so that is my hope as a minister of reconciliation in the world today. We're going to have, um, Rabbi Steve Weil join us next. He is the CEO of the Friends of Israel Defense Forces. This is the American support arm for the Israeli, um, for the IDF. Uh, and so we're going to talk with him about what is happening on the ground, what he's hearing and how we can help. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We're joined by Rabbi Steve Weil. He is the CEO of the Friends of Israel Defense Forces. Um, Rabbi Weil, welcome to Mornings with Carmen.
1: It's a great honor to be with you, Carmen.
0: Um, I, would, I would like to begin, if we can, by just asking you what it feels like to be a Jew right now in America.
1: Well, we're going back to the historical norm. You know, for the last 40, 50 years, I don't think the Jews have ever had that positive experience, you know, being a refugee people, being a minority in another country. And I think what happened was a number of Jews became spoiled and didn't realize that, you know, they're looked at as another, they're treated differently. Their morals, their, their value system, the bi- the biblical value system is very threatening to a lot of people out there.
0: Um, One of the challenges that I'll confess that, you know, that I face in in the ongoing conversations that we're seeking to have um, is that not not everyone who is a Jew is the same kind of Jew. (laughs) And so, like, when you um, when you talk about having biblical values or or living by biblical norms, there are there are people who are secular in their Judaism. Can you walk me around a little bit in that? Because I, I have found it difficult um, to even know what to say to my very secular Jewish friends. I have not found it hard to find words and to grieve with and, and walk in solidarity with my more religious Jewish friends. Um, maybe that's just me, but can you help me?
1: It's true. I mean, you have a situation that's, it's true in the Christian world. It's true in the Muslim world where there's no such thing as a typical Jew, a typical Muslim, a typical Christian. And what's happened in America. And a lot of that is the function that they were just planted from Europe. They'd been in Europe for, for a thousand years. They had the institutions, educational institutions, communal institutions that gave them a sense of rootedness when they came to America The families were just trying to earn a living and trying to to be able to put food on the table, educate their children. And after two, three generations of not having that infrastructure, many of these Jewish people ultimately became great Americans. They did not become sophisticated Jews, thoughtful Jews in terms of their understanding of of Jewish values, Jewish education, et cetera. And, And for those Jews who really defined themselves as an American, very loyal American, to a great degree, their world has crumbled underneath them. There's Mm -hmm. been an earthquake in their world because they've, you know, especially those whose tendencies is more to the progressive side or the liberal side, that world has turned on them, be it academia, be it the media, be it the the culture of many of the places where they work. And um, in my opinion, it's an opportunity for them to take a step back and say, you know, who are you? What are you? What defined your family for thousands of years? What defined your history for thousands of years? And that, of course, are the, the axioms and postulates that, that are rooted in, in biblical values. What we say in Hebrew, the mitzvahs, the, the very ethical, moral principles of how to conduct oneself in business, how to act as a neighbor, how to treat the elderly, how, how How to deal with one's wealth with one's time etc, and maybe they'll recalibrate and understand that the world that they embraced has turned on them
0: mm, that is um that's the that is that living as a distinctive people in the midst of whatever people uh you happen to live in the midst of and so then when we think of israel um when you think of Israel, let me do it that way when you think of israel like what what does your heart say to you um what do you want me to know about israel
1: israel every day is is a is a miracle from god i mean you've got jews christians muslims druze circassians you know from 85 different countries it's it's a it's a land that literally has been an ingathering of the exiles and and it's a country that despite it having to spend this year, it'll be 20%, but on a, on a, a regular year, 10.2% of the GDP on, on military, on security. It, it's a modern miracle that, that, that it even survives economically with all of the threats and the pressure. But what's happened is in that, in that incredible land, you've produced a startup nation. You've produced a nation that's at the cutting edge of biotechnology, of cyber defense, and you've also had an incredible reawakening of, I'll give you an example. There are more people today in Israel doing serious, serious study of, of biblical texts, of Talmudic texts, of, of rabbinic texts throughout the years. And, and all of this is happening in a world where they're threatened by uh, the Shia caliphate, by Iran and its six proxies, in a world that they have, more challenges in terms of defending themselves than any other nation on earth. It's it's just it's something that miraculous is an understatement. It, it's a it's a magical magical place. Now, the downside of that is when you have a society that lives under those kind of pressures, it it takes its toll on people, and they're and they become tough, they become very very leery, they become wary because. Literally every day they have to look around them. Is this person a terrorist? You know, is this person going to, to kill my child? You know, and, and that's the world they live in. And, and that does take its toll on people. But, but with all of the challenges, these are wonderful, wonderful people. They're kind people. They're generous people. They're fun. You know, they're, they're, they're a fun group of people. And and it's very, and it's an exciting place because these are Moroccan immigrants. These are Ethiopian immigrants. These are from Germany. These are from Lithuania. You know, this one came from South Africa. They come from all over the world and, and they bring, you know, a, a, an incredible diversity. I apologize for, for just rambling on, but it's, it's, it's a magic place.
0: It is. I concur. I 100% concur. And I, um, I recognize that the most hospitable people I have ever met in the entire world I have met in israel. I mean, there's just no question about it um it's it's It is a magical place it is uh it is extraordinary um, when we come back from a very brief break um if you would be so kind um I think it would benefit people to hear what happened on um November the fourth at the Friends of Israel defense Force's fundraising gala. I think it would help people to hear what is happening in the United States of America, um, not only to Jews but to those who who support the state of Israel. Would you be willing to tell us that story?
1: When you say November fourth, you're referring to uh, Silicon Valley.
0: Yeah, I'm referring to what happened in Silicon Valley.
1: Yeah, happy to share.
0: Okay, okay. Rabbi um, Steve Weil is with us. He's the CEO of the Friends of Israel. Defense Forces. um, And they recently had a gala um, that had been scheduled long before the events of October the 7th uh, in Israel. Um, But you need to hear what what happened when um, when people gathered in Silicon Valley um, for a gala event. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. Thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. All right, I want you to imagine for a moment that you have made plans to attend a fundraiser for an organization that you support um, you've gotten all dressed up. You recognize that the event is no longer going to have the um, uh, the celebratory sense that it would have had um, even two months earlier. But because of the events of October the 7th in Israel, um, the event which you are attending in early November 2023 in Silicon Valley is um, is going to be a time of shared grief and a time when you are going to come together with other people who love Israel and um, and are concerned about the uh, events unfolding uh, in the Holy Land. Um, and while you are approaching the event, um, you recognize that many, many others have gathered to not only protest the event but to seek to do you physical and personal harm, pelting your car with rocks, um, requiring that you be um, you be protected as you as you enter a facility that should otherwise be um, be a safe place uh, to gather with others. Um, in the United States of America. that That's the beginning of the conversation of what happened um, during the Friends of Israel defense fundraiser, their gala event in early November um, in San Car- Carlos, California. Rabbi Steve Weil is the CEO of that organization. Um, Steve, what was it like?
1: Yeah, it was, it was interesting. I actually you know, I took an Uber there, and uh, so I got out and was able to walk can see in the eyes first of all the police had riot gear you know i'm not used to seeing police looking like they're in military gear with helmets and and life you know bulletproof vests etc it was very sad i felt bad for the police secondly you had a barricade so you had a situation where there were two entrances to the facility it was an aviation museum and one of them had to be shut down um you could see in their eyes, you know, there was just vicious hate in their eyes, you know, and they're screaming from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free, which is another way of saying they're going to annihilate the Jews. It's a synonym for annihilation of the Jews. There's zero tolerance to have a Jew or a Christian living in that land. Christians and Jews are infidels. But it just, you know, to see the hate, you almost these people, I, I, you know, I, I don't want to say I'm not, I'm not God. I don't I know what's in a person's heart. But I'm used to seeing humanity in, in people's eyes. I'm used to seeing humanity on their face. And I just saw an, an evil, a satanic, you know, I, I, there was no humanity on, on these people's faces. And it's just, mm. you know, you know if, is that really? Can America tolerate groups like this who are out to annihilate and eradicate anyone from living on, on the land? Which, which is, before, Islam started in the 7th century. You know, the Jews have been around for four thousand years, going back to Abraham and Sarah. Christianity is over two thousand. You know, it's two thousand years old. You know, just that kind of hatred, in in that that is tolerated in in quote unquote Silicon Valley, which is a quite a liberal place in this country. It's 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 not the America that we cherish. It's not the America we love. And these people, you know. Don't, they've just taken the gift of freedom? They've taken the gift that, that America has given them, and they've turned it and used it and manipulated it for hate, for evil. It's you know, it's very sad.
0: So, Rabbi, Weil, one of the things that um, uh, that the protesters were alleging um, is that the friends of Israel Defense Forces, you know, you're arming. You're arming the military um so in, in instead let let's talk about well, they, what, they you actually, know because, what you actually do yeah. what, are you, what, Absolutely. What, are the, what are the friends of Israel defense forces? what are the friends of the IDF what what are you actually doing?
1: on a regular year we provide uh, transformation sure Trans- let's
0: talk let's talk about a regular year and then we'll talk about these these yeah. very irregular times.
1: We we're the GI Bill. We we provide transformational educational solutions for soldiers. You know, fifty thousand. We we don't know how many soldiers are in the IDF. It's classified, but let's speculate. It's around one hundred eighty-five thousand between commanders and soldiers. Fifty thousand of them are coming from different levels of poverty. We fund the welfare for those soldiers and their families. We fund their education. Those who don't have a high school education, we fund that. Those who can get into university, we fund that. Those who could get into a professional training program to become an electrician, to become a programmer or an auto mechanic, we fund that. We fund there's special programs that allow people on the spectrum of autism. It's a, all about education, welfare, spirituality. Anything that's a non-military building, we fund. For instance, infirmaries, synagogues, gymnasiums. It's not a military organization we say that around the front page of our website and during the war from the time that october 7th it's called i would say I get calls every day but some days two three times a day from the general staff we have a campaign right now 100 percent. every penny goes straight to the army there's no overhead and we're funding mobile hospitals blood plasma ekgs x-ray machines hygiene needs of the soldiers. We're funding these operational ambulances that on the one hand are, are four wheel drive. They're, they're, they're bulletproof. You know, they've got bulletproof metal on them, but on the other hand, they have to have a chassis, almost like a Range Rover. Cause even though they're going off road to pick up wounded soldiers, you've got people with IVs and blood transfusions in them. They have to have a special chassis. You know, I, I can go, there's hundreds of things that we fund, but not a one of them is military. They're all humanitarian. They're all the primary most urgent needs that the army calls us with daily things that are not in the budget of the army, but because of the war, there's a necessity. That's what we're funding.
0: Yeah. I wanted to give you the opportunity to say that and, and to say it out loud. And so thank you for doing so. Um, I think that when you, uh, when you talk about the, the challenges that military individuals face. We imagine here in the United States that the needs of the military are paid for, you know, totally by the military. But the challenge when, um, when people are called up overnight um, to come to the front lines, you know, they don't necessarily even have the boots they need um, and they don't, uh, and they don't necessarily have all the things in place at home to be able to walk away. So I I have a friend from high school who um, she and, and her, family uh made Aliyah uh and they live in Israel most of the time um although they're back here in the States now but both of her kids um you know are in the IDF and um and were reservists but you know obviously answered the call to um to go and you know and I mean Jamie was like, you know, they, they don't they don't have the things that you would imagine. <laughs>
1: they just don't. You know yeah.
0: They well, don't have the things they... you would imagine that they should have. Yeah.
1: They they tripled the size of the army in thirty hours. Yep. Literally went from let's say it's one hundred eighty five thousand. They went to five hundred fifty thousand. Look, the first week, you know, besides the blood plasma, we were funding hygiene. You know, you had right. young women who went up there didn't take didn't take needed, enough supplies. They just needed the things
0: they needed. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. So so it, it's an incredible though what happened. How in thirty hours they tripled the size of the army. And obviously, two-thirds of them went to the northern border because the existential threat is from the Hezbollah. Mm -hmm. It it was just from a logistical point of view, that also was almost a miracle. You you know, they've they've canceled the university. They're going to reopen university in December, late December. But I'm not even sure that they're going to be able to do that because most of the university students right now are either in Gaza or they're on the northern border with the call-up.
0: Yeah. Well, what is going to be um, required after the end of this, whenever that comes? Um, we just recognize, um, Steve, we recognize that this is going to be a long-term recovery of the individuals who are in the IDF. Um, those of us who have received home, our own U.S. soldiers, um, have a son who was did two tours in Afghanistan. Uh, they come back different than when they left. You know that. I know that. Um, and so the friends of the IDF is going to have uh, a long road ahead. Um, and so, thank you for what you're doing now. Thank you for what you've done. Yeah, just on
1: that issue. Yeah. They, yeah, They've they've already told us to start preparing thirty five to forty million dollars, just for whether for PTSD therapies, for other therapies, physical therapies, as well as therapies for the bereaved families. There's already three hundred seventy five families that have lost a husband, a son. You know, a, a, a brother, and uh, there's going to be a lot of a lot of emphasis on trying to make them whole emotionally, make them whole psychologically, so that those who fought in these battles will be able to function as 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 husbands, as fathers, to be able to function in society. And th- they really care; they care about the emotional health as well as the physical health of these soldiers.
0: That's so important. I hope you'll come back and talk with us again.
1: It was a blessing and an honor to be with you.
0: Would um would, would it be appropriate for me to ask you to bless us as you as you depart, and you may do so in Hebrew if that's most comfortable.
1: Yeah. If if I could share what we call the Birkat Kohanim, the, the, the blessing that the educators, the Kohanim, the priests who are our educators give to us, you know, in terms of our financial welfare, our spiritual and intellectual welfare, our growth as, as human beings, and our psychological welfare. God should should make you successful and that the, the success that you have should be protected, shouldn't be lost. God should enlighten your eyes and, and show his countenance. You should grow spiritually, intellectually, and, and perceive the, the depths and the beauty of of the values of the godly values that we live our life by, both philosophically and morally and ethically. And the final blessing, God should turn to you and give you the word shalom means peace, but it means from being that you should be whole, complete, emotionally, psychologically. You should be healthy in, in the wealth that God gives you, the knowledge that He gives you, the insight that He gives you should be in a context of a healthy, psychologically, emotional state as a family, as a community. Please, God, to all of our friends, to all those who support Israel, who care for her, care for her soldiers, we can't thank you enough.
0: Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much. What a blessing. Um, And thank you for blessing us um, today with your presence and with this conversation and with the blessing of the Lord. Friends, you are listening to Mornings with Carmen. Um, When we come back, we're going to be talking with John Van Sloten um, about his book, God Speaks Science. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. All right, this is going to be a fun conversation. John van Sloten is here. He brings to us God speaks science, what neurons, giant squid, and supernova reveal about our creator. John, welcome to mornings with
2: Carmen. Hey, Carmen, thank you for having me
0: all right what um what do you want us to know about um about how God speaks through I mean, what you're calling science, but through the created order itself.
2: Yeah, a good delineation there. Science is only the tool with which we can exegete and understand and fully read uh, and know the nature of creation. But those are separate things. Uh, Science is a created thing, (laughs) created by God, I believe, to help us unpack his revelation through creation. But to your question what do what do I want us, and assuming us being Christian believers to know the Bible teaches very clearly that God made everything. Um, uh, the Bible also teaches very clearly in the New Testament that everything came into being in through and for Christ, John chapter one, one to three, Hebrews chapter one, verse two, Colossians chapter one, verses fifteen to seventeen. Read those passages. Unequivocal that everything that came to be came to be through the person of Christ. If that is true, that God made it all and He made it all through Jesus, then it's not a huge leap to believe then. What we know, how God reveals God's self through creation, might lead us to the person of Christ, to an experience of the mind of Christ. Johannes Kepler, a great uh, physicist and philosopher and mathematician, believed that centuries ago that he was thinking god's thoughts after god as he was doing his work as a scientist and um you don't have to be a scientist to to do that kind of math um and that's really what my book is about i'm a non-scientist writing about interviewing scientists and learning from scientists about creation in ways that has helped me know god more um know know the god of the scriptures more through uh, what God is self-revealing through creation.
0: So I like that you described yourself as a non-scientist talking with scientists, interviewing scientists in God Speaks Science. Let's talk about um, those conversations. Tell us about one person that you met um, and what you thought the conversation was going to be about, but, but maybe how it surprised you.
2: I met uh, Dr. Masaki Hayashi. He's a geoscientist, a Canada research chair at the University of Calgary, Um, thinking that he would help me understand the nature of the Bow River, which runs through our city here in Canada, uh, Calgary, and uh, had a whole bunch of ideas.
0: Can I just interrupt you for a second? Because I, for the first time in my life, um, got to visit Calgary this past summer. And so... (laughs) I I just it like immediately leapt to my mind what you just uh, what you just described and what you're talking about and um, I went down there to the Stampede area and um and saw where the river cuts through and then went way up onto the top of the hill so we could get a better perspective and so yeah mm-hmm. I'm speak on my friend about the Bow okay. River.
2: No, but you're, you're, you're illustrating why one, um, as a faith leader, me, but, but as a human being, would even talk about what, what a river says. Uh, the nature of a river would say about the mind of Jesus through whom a river was made. Um, it, it becomes something that's there in your life. People walk by the river. They know the river. They remember the river. Anyway, I'm meeting with Dr. Hayashi and had a few ideas about, you know, what, what makes up the, the the waters of the river and what are the sources. And I thought that's what um, I would end up talking with him about and then preaching about. But he he ended up sharing a discovery that he'd made. He was doing research on a high mountain lake in the Rocky Mountains here, <clears throat> right at the tree line, and he was noticing that the outflows from the lake were significant, but the inflows coming off the surface of the Rocky Mountain. They, they weren't adding up. Why was there so much water going into that lake and then going out to supply the Bow the Bo River? And he discovered that mountains, <clears throat> this is the first time any geoscientist in the world has sort of verified this. 20 years ago, discovered that mountains above the tree line hold water. They're like, in his words, a, a big bucket that has a slow leak in it that lets water out slowly. In times when there are early snow melts or not enough rain, <clears throat> pardon me, or snowpack, and and they kind of allow the river to have water longer into the season. So there's this beautiful geological grace that, you know, as a theologian, I immediately heard all the passages. I, I I remember the story of Moses striking the water, the rock and water coming from the rock, and passages in the Psalms and the prophets that reference that story that God is a God who provides water out of a rock. Um, And of course, put that together with his discovery that actually mountaintops do hold water in a providential kind of way. And yeah, now my wife and I, every time we drive uh, along the Bow River into the Rocky Mountains and see all those uh, mountains above the tree line, we go buckets and we think about God's grace. Hmm. And we know that if God is got that in mind and thought to think far ahead, right? In a warming world that there's a little provision there. He's got us in mind and things are Mm. going to be okay.
0: So beautiful. Uh, JohnVansloten.com is the website. God Speaks Science, What Neurons, Giant, Squid, and Supernova Reveal About Our Creator. Um, Tell us about um, the nature of tree branches and wound healing
2: yeah another uh another beautiful uh kind of connection and and for all of these it's not just god through creation and 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 not connecting it to the scriptures it's seeing god in creation because god has revealed himself to me and to us through the bible Um, john calvin talks about wearing the scriptures like a pair of glasses and when you know jesus through the bible you then have more with which to see and focus on Jesus in creation or recognize his moves or his thinking or his way of being. And so <clears throat> tree branches are, are a natural, right? <laughs> Jesus had his own. Jesus used creation in his parables to teach people truth, uh, you know, the mysterious truth of the kingdom. Um, uh, uh, I am the vine, you are the branches. So I imagine he might, they might have been standing near a, a vineyard when that happened. So he's pointing to this thing. Um, so knowing that parable, I went to a plant scientist and asked the question: what's the ideal tree and branch connection? How do trees and branch, what's the ideal way to be a branch? Because I figured if the science could show me what that is, I'd have more with which to understand what it means to remain in Jesus and to abide in him, as the parable asked us to do. <clears throat> Um, so I'm, I'm talking with the plants and and it goes wrong question. I said, what do you mean wrong question? (laughs) Well, there is no ideal. There are as many ways for a branch to be a branch as there are different plants and different environmental conditions and different times and different levels of sunlight and different levels of water, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it, it, it just struck me like. My whole faith walk, I've I've tried to, and, and maybe inordinately so, and maybe in a way that was kind of restricting my life or paralyzing me with a bit of anxiety, try to figure out what's the way to abide in you perfectly and to be a branch, because I do want that. And I want to know you more, and I want to be bear fruit in my life, um, to then hear... <laughs> How I'm going to be a branch may look quite different than how Carmen is and all the other uh, billions of people on this planet. Um, there could be as many ways to, to be a branch as there are people. And uh, all of us, of course, abiding in one source, one place where we find sustenance and wisdom and knowledge for life. But the, but the freedom, the, the sense of exhale, okay, there's a way for me to branch out there's a way for me to reach toward the light and grow my leaves and and bear fruit that is maybe in god's infinite wisdom uniquely me that fits and that honors god because it fits because i'm imaging him the way he made me to
0: mm. same root same vine very same different root. branches <laughs> You're right? right very different branches this is that yeah. unity, uh, that u- unity and diversity business, that that there's unity, like we're all branches, we're all leafy, we're all producing fruit, but there's absolute unlimited diversity in that. In the same way that God didn't have to make more than one color of green, like right there, yeah. there didn't need to be, there didn't need to be more than one shade of green. And yet, when you look at the side of a mountain, there's literally an endless number. And when you go to a different part of the world, you're like, oh, and the myriad shades of green I've seen in that place are different than the shades of green I see here. And it's just, it's absolutely incredible. Hey, we have to take yeah. a very, very brief break. Um, we're going to continue our conversation with John Van Sloten here in just a moment. God Speaks Science is the book. JohnVanSloten.com is uh, is your one-stop place to connect with John and find out all the other cool things uh, he's talking about and 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 preaching on. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. 150 million people, 150 million people actively use one particular app every month in the United States of America. I want that to be the Faith Radio app. How about you? If you're wondering how you could be encouraged in your faith at any time, anywhere, well, I got good news for you. There's literally an app for that. You can listen to Faith Radio live, any show on demand, no matter where you are at any time of the day or night. Download the free Faith Radio app right now. It's super easy. Just text the word APP to 877-933-2484 and click the link. Let's connect faith to life. John Van Sloten is engaging God everywhere. That's what it says on his website at johnvansloten.com. He's a Calgary-based writer, teacher, and pastor. He's passionate about helping us engage God everywhere. So he has been preaching um, dozens of creation Bible-based sermons on topics like radiation therapy and DNA repair mechanisms and river hydrology and uh, tree branches and human needs and giant squid and supernovas. Um, and he brings us now a book uh, that is around those same topics. God speaks science, and in it he has uh, conversations with, frankly, uh, scientists who who take us on this incredibly joy filled expedition um that maybe they didn't even know they were embarking on themselves so john um maybe uh maybe we move now to you want to talk about supernovas or you want to talk about fossils either one i'm good with either one
2: uh no, i was, no, 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 i knew i was it, pronouncing it, it incorrectly when I saw, e. like, it, I saw that e i saw that e at the end and
0: i'm like what am i supposed to say
2: yeah. Thank singular you. supernova uh plural supernovae, is what i've been taught but that may be a canadian thing a eh? um so
0: <laughs> yeah <clears throat> that
2: i was very I gracious was t- that was very yeah, gracious thanks. of
0: you yeah
2: thank you i was down at a workshop in houston and uh, somebody who ran the hubble space telescope was giving a presentation on a person of faith talking about the nature of the universe and And, uh, I left, uh, I mean, amazing images and yeah, to see all these galaxies, but I left a little disappointed because I I was wondering, yeah, okay, the universe is like this. So what does that say about the mind of Christ of the the thoughts of God? And, and, and we never really got to answering that question, but I was, I was complaining about that to another scientist who was uh, walking back to the hotel with me. And she said, um, well, I'm a Mars rover researcher and I thought about this question and, uh, when I think about space, I think about supernovae and how the death and resurrection of stars, basically, uh, and only through the death and resurrection of stars, stars forming and then blowing up and, and creating more and more matter until we had all the elements to fill out our periodic table was, was life even able to be. Um, so this was the mechanism that science is saying God used to, to, to make enough matter to make us up, um, that Jesus used to make enough matter to make up what would one day be his earthly body when the incarnation happened up. Jesus thought up a process that played out in the universe that eventually ended up in his human body that is now God with us through Christ. Amazing. Um. Anyway, death and resurrection, and that that idea happening in in via the making more out of matter uh through supernovae was what I connected with and I remember when she explained it to me, and I said, "Well, no surprises there right that a god who thought that you know the salvific way uh, the mystery of death and resurrection." in and through literally the person of Christ, that that would be the way that all things are made new and the cosmos is renewed. That, that same dying resurrecting kind of thing is echoed or reflected in or pre foreshadowed in how supernovae play out 45 times per second right now, as your listeners are hearing us Hmm. talk. Um, it's a it's a kind of like, yeah, 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 that's how God works. That's how Jesus works, right? Death and resurrection. And, and this time, uh, through the book of creation, God's first book written long before the Bible was written, um, God was already presaging, foreshadowing that death and resurrection can make more out of things and more out of things and more out of things and us.
0: Andrew Peterson said here yesterday... Um that you know in order to to tell the story he wanted to tell like god had to make what he made um like right you you had to have a world and you had to have this world and it had to work this way in order for the story the redemptive um cosmological arc to actually uh find a place in a space and i thought that is connected to the conversation we are having now i am wondering yeah. how um how engaging god um, through not just creation, but yeah, via science, like how has it changed you?
2: It's, uh, in many ways changed everything. Um, as I was pointing to earlier, um, I can't walk by the river now. I can't Mm -hmm. look at the mountains now. I can't look at a tree branch now. Um, my life is increasingly surrounded by parables, My very body, I preached on uh, the biomechanics of the human knee and the nature of the kidney Mm -hmm. and neural um, stress-reducing mechanisms and DNA repair mechanisms. DNA, your DNA is repairing itself in your body trillions of times per second. Every second that we've been conversing, your DNA has, by the grace of God, (laughs) unmerited by us, been saving our bodies (laughs) and doing repairs on our DNA so that cancer's lord willing cancers aren't uh, developing in our bodies but it, it if, if i think about it um it's it's overwhelming um i can't go anywhere uh without recognizing or seeing something that is a reminder a pointer to who made everything who made me who's making everything new who's making me new um he's it, he he i sang we sang a hymn in the church I grew up with uh that taught that talked had a line that says he speaks to me everywhere um and uh, I sang that as a kid growing up when I was learning catechism and attending uh not hearing these kinds of sermons um but now I feel like i'm 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 living it um this is our father's world, and through our listening ears all nature sings, and round us rings the music of the spheres it's true <clears throat> and and again not just in creation not this is not a uh hippy dippy crystal kind of engaging god through all things it's not i um, and i separate god as creator christ as the one through who, whom things are made from the creation they're not the same thing they're, god's not a tree um but but with the right boundaries and the right theological foundation one that for two thousand years has been talked about in the church I live a life that it's like a museum filled with paintings and creation mm-hmm. speaking and then speaking uh, connecting to sh- the scriptures and that's where the magic the beautiful beauty in, in this is is that uh, something in a mountaintop echoes something from the old testament repeated in a psalm and the lordship of Christ over all of those things there's a there's a moment that's where I'm I'm definitely not a totally rational, empirical thinker, but a, but a bit of a mystic. A moment where you're the Lord. You're the Lord, Lord, over all of that? Really? You you did that then, way back when, and then that then with the people of Israel, and, and this now in my life, and it all sort of comes together. And the Lordship of Christ over everything, uh, the moment at, at best. Uh, it's like I step into it, and for a second... He pulls back the veil and, and you get to see a bit of his thinking, feel a bit of his yeah, and, presence.
0: And then once you've seen, you can't unsee, which is just so incredible. And you that, can't that, unsee. Then we're forever changed. John, we have to leave it right there. Um, I hope you've enjoyed yourself enough to come back.
2: <laughs> well, I would love to uh okay, you can, yeah. you can hear it. No, I'm I excited just, about it.
0: yeah, I know so uh and, and people listening are excited as well, and so this is the kind of feast we want to uh, we want to have more often here, and so um thank you in advance for the next conversation. Uh, maybe we'll talk about the theology of horses or the theology of wood or uh yeah. you know or knees or knees or bees all right it's all yeah. um, it's all amazing. John van Sloten is the author, God speaks Science is the book. We're totally out of time today. Um, That does not surprise you because, you know, we like to fill our time together with wonderful discourse and opportunities to glorify God. So, I want you to turn your eyes today to the things of the world and see God in the creation that He has made. Let Him speak to you in those uh, falling leaves or that fresh fallen snow. Um, Let Him speak to you through the things that He has made. All creation certainly groans with eager longing for man's redemption. And so, what, um, what does creation have to say to us today? Um, and how can science uh, speak to you of the things of God? That's a good, good conversation for us to be having uh, with each other um, and with emerging generations. All right. That's all we've got. Have a great day. and God bless. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.